need to go to school. And here's your day. What do you think of what's going on right now, mate? These evil little invisible parasites. Satan worshipping Freemason moron. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're not run by factions. Get the fuck out of camera! There are much more powerful international forces in play. Is this pink guy? Is this what pink guy is? I don't fucking know what's happening. Please get outside and look at the moon quickly. It's been crazy, guys, but guess what? It's how it is, mate. Mate, because I want to do it slowly. But I ain't spending any time on it. Welcome to the Conditional Release Program, a podcast that delves into the netherworld of cults, crims, and con artists. No, that was not Jack. That is Joel. And joining me today is Dave Burgess, who is a fellow cooker watcher who's goes quite deep into these things, actually turns up to events, documents the fuck out of them. You may have seen some of his handiwork in the Conditional Release Program shitposting group, and he does some fucking excellent work in basically just keeping track of these more extremist elements of the movement and connecting the dots when it comes to a kind of cooker spillover into other causes. Now, one thing that I will mention here, because I need to somewhat segue in a beer plug. We have beers after rallies. We've gone to two rallies so far and we have beers and there has been a shameful lack of CB Co tins in that situation. We'll go to a pub and it'll be something shit like two is new and it's ruined the moment every time. So I think next time we need to make an effort to go to a local bottle after the rally and get at least a four pack of delicious, delicious CB Co. But the sad thing about that is that we won't get 10% off, will we? Because we'll be going to a, a terrestrial bottle shop, you know, like boomers. Whereas you, digital natives, if you put CRP10 into the checkout at the cbco.beer, you'll get 10% off and they have free shipping, which is insane. I don't actually know how they make money off this. It is such a good price. We don't get anything. We don't get a cut. So don't do it for that reason. Do it because beer is delicious and it's actually amazingly well-priced. So that's enough of that. Let's get back to basically just the sort of general vibe of cookers stinking their way into traditional forms of activism and what the fuck they're up to. But firstly, let's hear more about you and your backstory. Uh, G'day, Joel. Yeah, well, I came to this in a weird way in that I live in a fair, I lived in a fairly remote part of the Hunter Valley, living into leading into the pandemic, and I managed through various circumstances to uh, enter lockdowns elsewhere. Yep, and be away from my community. And you know, in the lead up to the the twenty twenty Trump election and through the first year of COVID, slowly watched this community I knew intimately getting peeled in huge uh, amounts, huge numbers. Yeah, that's incredible numbers. Um, yeah, okay. And Shadow being pandemic a- as such. Yeah. And being away from them and, you know, there was a fairly unique set of circumstances leading into the pandemic in that we'd spent the previous four months basically watching the Gospers Mountain Fire surround us and and send us all mad. So there was yes. already a, a heavy atmosphere even before COVID. And, yeah, so spending the, the two sort of lockdowns in either Sydney or in Lake Macquarie when I, when I started moving back, back locally. So, you know, I... It was pretty sort of heartbreaking watch people watching people I thought I knew very well start to get very nasty. And you know, my background 
is in politics. It's it's in the environment movement. So, yep. you know, I, I I wasn't unaware of what the freedom movement perhaps was before it was the freedom movement and the the various individuals who were driving it. Yep. And, you know, previous histories with things like Reclaim Australia and going back even further, you, you knew the language and you knew the characters to know who was behind it. Yeah, yeah. But still, you know, all these people who I'd virtually grown up with, you know, sharing their material, I, I still had a bit of a belief that it could be frustration at lockdown. It, it might not necessarily be full political commitment to that. And it was really only when a huge proportion of the community turned up in Canberra at, at Epic and started posting and, in fact, tagging me saying I should be there with them, which, you know, yeah, that, wow. that really pissed me off. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine because that was a fucking atrocious bit of misbehavior. People were just behaving like absolute animals. Yeah, and you know, it was incredible to see people I knew very well as as locals, as as you know, whatever they did. And you know, we all lived in the bush, so we're all a bit crazy. But yeah, but there's a line. There's a line, and and I thought many of these people knew it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I thought the same. Like, you know, like I've come back from the a background of sort of conspiracy theorists in the form of the New Age movement with you know, the my bringing up and my parents and all their friends and stuff like that in the sort of sort of psychic fair circuit. And one of the things that astonished me was when I realized that the editor of Nexus magazine, Duncan Rhodes, who was one of the guys that we used to sort of hang out with, you know, like we go for sort of, you know, dinner after these things and he was he was a cool guy. He got Trump pilled, and I just thought, oh, okay, you're all fucked. Like, if the guy who's been writing out conspiracies for this long can fall for a con man like Donald Trump, then maybe you're all fucking just just kind of daft. Because that's just I can't I can't get put behind someone who can fall for such an obvious scam. But yeah, he's big. He's totally Q pilled. I mean, all power to him. But I've got no respect for that. No, and it, it led to. You know, it led to a few tensions in the community, and and you know, after after the the Delta lockdown ended, you know, I finally got back there, and you know, turned up at the pub, and and you know, someone I'd call one of my best friends just hopped out of a car and went over to say, you know, say good day after the after the the long period of long time no see, and and just literally had a bit of a shoulder dug into me, and just. The words uttered, you wouldn't believe what it's like to be unvaccinated. Wow. (laughs) You know, we tried again and later. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, straight away, like, no hesitation. And we we later had, I think she she had some stuff of mine I I needed to to get, and we we met up at a cafe, and, of course, they couldn't go in. So I said, no dramas, I'll get your coffee. (laughs) Yeah, okay, yeah. And then just sort of took took a long rant of, I think it started with, you know, saying, do you know Palaszczuk's building death camps in Queensland, you know, being the quarantine centre? Yep. And on and on. And it was was at that moment I realised how deep 
everyone had gone. I still wasn't able to gauge it yep. as to whether this was happening all over the country and similar performance, uh, similar locations. But as it turned out, the, the true test of numbers is a poll, and uh, the the local booze got four point six percent BOCE vote in the New South Wales. That's a lot. Yeah, if, I think. If, if little old Wollumbi was New South Wales, Bosey would be in the upper house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fucking right. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty terrifying. People like to shit on some of these electoral electoral results. It's similar to the situation where they'll get fifty thousand people to one of their rallies at the peak of lockdown, and they'll call it a million. Mate, fifty thousand's incredible. Why would you downplay fifty thousand by calling it a million and making yourself look dumb? That's mental. Even to one of these fringe, dumb, save the kids, all trans people are pedophiles and nonsense, you have like, you know, maybe say 60 people turn up. You you will be very lucky to get 60 people to turn up to a fringe event on the left. And if you saw a collection of students that had 60 people in it down at, say, Martin Place campaigning for fucking, you know, some niche iceberg being pre- preserved in Greenland, you'd be like, all right, well done, kids. You know, you've got a crowd, but no, they have to make it a thousand people. They have to just make the cooker numbers, of course. I find that very frustrating because they've had some incredible achievements when it comes to these sort of activist movements. But because everything in their lives has to be hyperbolic fantasy land, it just becomes inauthentic, just like everything. But of course, it's all based on inauthentic information anyway. So, I mean, like, I don't know why the fuck I'm expecting them to have any shred of honesty in their real world behavior when their internet personas are basically just, you know, dystopian fan fiction, which is just sort of embarrassing and sad to watch. Anyway, so yeah, it's sort of like, you know, that you've got that sort of community split vibe where you've got all these mates and you've basically just seen them just get immediately peeled. And now, you know, as being like a sort of activist, you're now seeing yourself at rallies, but these people are still there or are they not turning up anymore? And if they are turning up, are they trying to basically peel people on the on the fringe? Look, I, I, I wouldn't say the people at Wollumbi were necessarily activists within you know within the environment movement, but you know they certainly okay. were supportive of mostly supportive of Green what I did. Causes sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's an it's quite an incredible uh, polling booth that one. In that the last three federal elections have each gone to Labor, the Coalition, and the Greens, like you know, in terms okay, of first preference vote at the booth. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. that's what I loved about the place. It, it was diverse. It was you could you could yabber away with anybody with and, and get a real range of, of approaches. Okay. But n- not previously insanely cooked. Yeah, okay. But you know, as as far as the greater I mean my history Within the conservation movement in New South Wales, and in fact, the you know general lefty ratbag movement goes goes back into the late eighties <laughs> yeah. with you know mainly forest protests, but but also anti-war and varying roles from being a rat li- ratbag frontliner on on a blockade to you know paid NGO positions and and yeah, you know. Okay. Negotiating policy with with you know liber- both liberal actual and ministers. labor governments, actual ministers, yeah, okay. premiers, the, the works. 
Um, I feel like in a cooker's scenario, they can't really do that because it sort of it almost jumps the shark for them because they can't go in there and be like, okay, now hear me out. I think we should hang basically all the doctors and nurses. And also, no, hold hold on, hold on. I know you look really shocked, but we're going to include the hospital administrators as well, okay? Okay, okay, okay. I can see you're upset. I can see you're upset. We'll just jail them for life with no parole. Is that how we go? And by the and Was by the good? way, this is this. And by the way, this is Simeon, the Russian agent. Yeah, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Yeah, no, he's not a Russian agent. He's just a Russian aficionado. It's fine. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't read the, the the news. The mainstream media is obviously lying to you. So you know, <laughs> just ignore that part. He's just here. He's mostly here for your snacks. He's heard that Parliament House has a a good snack bar, but he's very disappointed in the fact that these these officers they only seem to have sparkling wine. I mean, yeah, I guess that's. That's what happens when Bruce Levin works there. Oh, sorry. Anyway, so, I mean, when it comes down to it, the thing that I find frustrating is that cookers, they appear to be bored. They've had their pandemic moment. They've had their sort of raise on debt and it's been taken away from them. Now, you still have them whinging. You still, since Dan Andrews retired, they're still going on about Dan Andrews. Fuck, I was in a Twitter war recently with some absolute knob and he brought up a Dan Andrews thing. And I just thought, why, like, what, when will you stop? When will you get past this? But, then they seem to move on to Drag Queen Story Hour and that was their sort of, you know, cause to save the children. I feel like that's almost petering off because they're kind of bored of it. Like, you know, it seems like cookers are addicted to the thrill of activism and yet they have no politics and they need something to fill that void. And the Drag Queen Story Hour thing hasn't gone that well for them because it tends to be about seven of them and they look like complete cunts. There's no way around that. You look like assholes. You're yelling at children and basically telling them that by being there, they're, you know, they're all going to hell or whatnot. It's just embarrassing to be around. And I think even some of them are probably getting a sort of cringe vibe from that. What are they, what, like, what are they up to? What's going on there? Yeah, it's, it's really weird that, I mean, I, I think during one of the, I think it was when they were posing as the, the trade union march, one of those 2021. 20, yeah. September, you know, the September 21 in Melbourne. Lizzie like, Rose know, the- famously a CFMEU member. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, uh, come I think on. You're not fucking, you're not fooling anyone. I think, was it was it Tom Tarnicky, you know, examined their sort of mechanics of the protest and, yeah. you know, it was, well, you did actually start throwing stuff first and you're marching around without first aid, without any of the normal measures responsible protests organisers would take to, you know, ensure their own and public safety and, and make exactly, them which sure union protests always have. Yeah. And and it's it's something that's obviously been, you know, key to direct environmental action is is you you gotta yeah. be on your best behaviour or they fry you. So well, there was that. Yeah, they do anyway, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. And this just didn't apply. You know, there was no respect to anybody from to themselves, to the teenage retail workers, to anybody, you know, anybody at a vaccination clinic or Fundamentally self-centred movement, really. It's, you know, it comes yeah. down to very selfish tenets, you know. It always has. It's And the fact that that's sort of like, you know, been reflected in their sense of activism. I really do genuinely think that a lot of them just do it for the sake of the thrill. And I think a lot of people in traditional activist circles do the same thing as well. But I don't think they do it as, do as much virtue signaling as the uh, freedom movement types do. 
Yeah, I'm doing this I'm for like... you. I'm I'm saving you from a, a fate worse than death. Fuck off! You're not saving me for anything. I just want you to go home. Shut the fuck up. Oh, this this you know I've definitely sat on numerous protests and blockades. You know the the sort of dug in one that ones that go for months, and you know you're you're just in the yeah, bush okay. and it's the temperatures hitting the minuses and everyone's getting crusty and conspiratorial Ooh. and. You know, it, it, it's yeah. happened to me. I, I do understand that element of it. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, sort of do respect the 400-yard stare, that crazed stare of Brad Bevan <laughs> when he looks across Parliament Lawn at you. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, you know, we'll get to it later, but, like, <laughs> I, but old, um, old Jesse, you know, he, he was, he was down there in Canberra sort of, hanging out, but he, like, you know, because I've seen him at a couple of events that we've been to, and he susses things out. He's scary. Mm. I don't like it. Yeah, very sort of very sketchy. He's got that sort of like if you crossed a sort of a meerkat with a sort of like a comic book zombie, you'd get him at a, at a rally, just looking, looking at everyone, looking at everyone, but also just looks like he's been sort of like, you know, somehow splashed with sort of toxic slime and turned into a sort of Marvel superhero that resembles a sort of meth addict who was born in a paper bag. It's quite terrifying. Yeah. And, oh, God, you know, I've I've been places where quite rightly you've been concerned that you've been infiltrated. But, I mean, God, if you if you infiltrated that movement, what would you find anyway? It, it, it's... They broadcast everything that's worth knowing. Yeah. I can't imagine, like, you know, one thing that I do find as- astonishing about this movement is that nothing real-world sort of stochastic terrorism-wise has happened. And what I can say is that I think the fact that their entire ideology and their entire mindset is based on an elaborate love means that they're not the kind of people who will turn into Timothy McVeigh types uh, who will, will, you know, convert this into real world violence. Because when you look at people who do execute these kind of horrific events, they don't tend to, from what I can see, live in fantasy land. Whereas these people, they're like, they're just comic book characters. And I think the comic book would become more of a more of a documentary if they became actual sort of terrorists. This is, you know, we amble and stuff accepted because these are these are exceptions to the rule. But I I was expecting definitely someone to you know take a pressure cooker and put some nails in it by now, and they haven't. And thank Christ for that. But I'm astonished with the amount of rhetoric and sort of incendiary discourse that goes on between these people and the way in which they do mobilize and they do turn this from like an internet laugh into this sort of real life community of sort of like-minded psychopaths nothing's happened and you know to their credit to their merit or just to their design and the fact the entire thing's just a fucking laugh yeah well certainly the handful of individuals up this way in the hunter that I do have some concerns about they have no online presence that I can find whatsoever. That's the that's what I find scary. Not the ones like Guru who are there beating their chest and saying they talk yeah. to God on a personal basis. Those fucking idiots aren't going to do anything. They're loving it. They're having a great time. It's it's the really it's the scary loners, you know. Even your Travis Bickle's not going to do anything because Travis Bickle wants the attention, you know, for the taxi driver <laughs> reference for anyone who's uh, not into the film. But, uh, yeah, you guys can skip that if you haven't seen the movie. But, like, you know, that's the thing. Like, you know, you get off on that infamy 
and you get off on that hero complex and you're saving the kids and you're doing the right thing and you are eventually you move to that point where you're purging society of degeneracy and and you know in his form it came with you know sort of prostitutes and whatnot and in their situation it turns out to be drag queens and it's gonna be god knows what next but the thing they've done pretty hard is they've started pivoting toward environmental issues and getting into that which sort of almost feels like full circle because I'd argue that like not all of them and like you say like a lot of the guys in Wallenby weren't in activist circles beforehand but if I look at the sort of like the general sort of cookerdom of my sort of new age friends and things like that from god knows way back a lot of them did tend to be if not activists in an active sort of sense they certainly were like greens voter types and now I mean like you know if I look at their Facebook profile with a sock account because they've blocked me all they've all blocked me but it's just anti-trans pro fossil fuel just like far right talking points these fucking people used to vote green i just find it baffling but now it seems like they're doing full circle and they're trying to save the fucking environment that's right and and i've seen it was funny i was talking to a a friend of mine the other day he he was a former forest blockader and now he's a, a union leader and and we were actually saying what was it when we were sitting, you know, it's minus eight degrees on the Victorian border in a winter's night and we're yep. all, you know, talking around the fire and a couple, you know, maybe more of these people have since gone on to become involved in the, the freedom movement in some way and, you know, what we did, Come, you know, we didn't see that. We we were all on the same page, and people played their roles, whether they they cooked or built structures or or did whatever. And some went lobbying in Canberra. We, you know, the the information and the science behind, you know, a good environmental protest. If, if you're going to go get into the direct action phase, desk, you know, it, it can only succeed with good science and the good legal case backing you up, you, you have to have a yep. a strategy. And what didn't these people see at the time about where we were taking it and thought these things were all part of a, a sort of magic, you know, culty fairy tale that, you know, between good and evil. Yeah, which, that's what they sort know, of need. You know, they need that hit of endorphins. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So, it, it, you know, were they ever there anyway or just, you know, there for the... The ride, it's it's hard to tell. But it is hard to tell. And also, like, you know, possibly being on the right side of history with things like that, which generally speaking, the sort of the mainstream position of anyone who wasn't a fuckwit was left of centre at least. But generally speaking, the further left you were, the more, you know, righteous you were because these are good causes. You know, who doesn't want to see penguins thrive? And, and now <laughs> they're convinced that the only way penguins can live is if they're breathing in carbon <laughs> dioxide from fucking coal dust it's just cooked they've been manipulated because you know they are sort of rubes but uh, but yeah i mean like you know when it comes to the the thing they just sort of get off on a believing on the right side of history and you know having some sort of hero complex and b i think having a feeling that somehow they can impact things and they can make a difference yeah yeah so you know and it's funny the further i you know i sort of when i decided to pay a bit more attention to the movement and you know after 30 years I was a bit done with environmental campaigning I, I thought I've got some time to look into this so I did and you know I went on what was the pathway probably QAnon Anonymous and and 
yeah. Yeah, Passeran yeah. and you guys. Yeah. And it seemed to be pretty much covered, you know, with so I got and I think it's always a good thing to get really interested in what's going on really locally. Um Yeah. Which sort of met with the establishment of my place in the end, which which was, you know, Steve Bannon-esque purpose built to be a local recruitment thing. Yeah, I think they definitely took a lot of cues from the sort of stuff that is, you know, extensively discussed on Kill Anonymous, which is the uh, the local groups, whether it be the sort of like the recent Mums for Liberty thing or whether it just be the school halls they hijacked. But that was a thing, you know, there was like a banner in the background saying, this is where it is. It's local. I think Flynn was saying that as well, you know, and it yeah. worked because once they once the order came from the top, people just went, okay, well, this is what we've got to do. And they did it almost impressively. You know, if they yes. were on your side, you'd be stoked because they're so effective and they and they turned up. And that's the interesting thing, you know, the, the left can be tricky because some of them turn up to everything, but a lot of them, including myself, don't turn up at all. Whereas I find that, while there's 10 times more lefties, there's a fraction of these people, but they always fucking turn up. Yeah, they do the social really well. And, and you know, the the kind of the rhetoric that comes back at them from, you know, I guess, our circles to an extent, you know, about alcoholics and meth heads, I don't find yeah. to be true at all. Um, no, no. In fact, there's examples of it, but... Not really. Yeah, but you know, I, it was funny. You know, I went to one particular Christian event in Sydney when the the whole anti-trans thing was happening around Newtown and and threatening to get violent. Well, it did get violent. Yeah, um, yeah, it did yeah. And oh god, it was held in a leagues club, and you know, the first thing me and my mate did was go and get a beer from the licensed bar that was. We sort of went and sat back down at the table and looked around and just went, "Oh shit, that was a mistake." No one's <laughs> drinking. No one, no, Fuck. and they were staring at us. And anyway, we we finished that very quietly. And luckily, the bartender was he was pretty spun out by what he was witnessing in front of him too. So I I organised vodkas quite successfully after that but that's very good yeah we are Ugh. definitely the bigger piss heads when it comes to these things and you know oh, we'll get to the last to thing we went to <sighs> oh yeah exactly like you know when i went to the ones in Coffs harbour they had no bar there and i asked them about it and that was that thing where i went to the canteen guy and basically said oh okay look you know you, you guys gonna do a bar no you guys got live music on later but there's no bar and it's like yeah but all the regulation thing was too hard you had to, to bounce and that sort of stuff and i'm like oh yeah it's a government you know, government control. And he just looked at me like I was the biggest asshole. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck, I'm the cooker. Like, I was just I was just trying to fit in. And, it's like, it turns out, no, he thinks that, like, actually alcohol should be regulated and that we maybe should have security guards if we're going to get people pissed. Fuck, now I look like a cock. <laughs> yeah, it's very silly. Very silly indeed. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I, they do make you want to drink. <laughs> yeah, so, so you know, it's it's... Interesting how it's the localization. I, I think is the biggest success they've had, and yeah, it, it's ongoing. Yeah, well, it is ongoing, absolutely. And, and the further, just getting back to where we were going, the further, the the more time we put between us and the the days of anti lockdown protests and and that whole time, the more they're going to drift back to what sort of was always going on with organised right-wing activity, which in, in many cases was anti-environmental, 
with a pro anti-Muslim sentiment was a good one. Yeah, and 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 that certainly seems to be what's happening with this pivot to anti-wind energy. You know, yep. I, I, I'm fairly aware there's a, a broad audience of the conditional release podcast that is neither left nor right, but it's oh, the yeah, missing. all sorts of colours yeah, when it comes so, to the political so I'm spectrum. Not, I'm not just being a preachy environmentalist. It goes beyond that to the yeah the, the whole cooked I nature agree, of yeah. misinformation and yep. allowing the community to have a fair conversation about anything that's proposed, you know, for their valley or, or ocean, as it turns out in this community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I was. They've just had a big rally in Martin Place today. It wasn't as okay, big as they, yeah. they said it would be, which was good. But what was the what know, was the plan? It, what were they hoping for? So it was what was it? The Reckless Renewables Rally, which was supposed to be concerned locals coming to Sydney to protest wind farms off their coasts, but it also shared the name of a rally that had taken place in Queensland back in August. Oh, interesting. And that was against a, a land-based wind farm up there that don't quite have the intimate details of that one being in Queensland, but I, th- I think there's a bit of forest clearing and koala habitat involved there. But Ah, uh, uh, okay. No, that's that was the, the koala clubbing claim, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it's where that, yeah, yeah they okay. said that the Labor government was going to club koalas to death with a hammer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound great, but, yeah, it was just a thing they picked up from the environmental plan that referred Well, it's that thing you. of, like, a lack of context. I mean, like, Absolute, basically, yeah, it said, like, of, you know... Yeah, twisting it. If, if, if an animal is injured in this process, despite all of the controls that are put in place, which there were many, then the most humane thing to do would be to basically immediately club them over the top, back of the head with a, with a, with a metal pole. Because if something gets in the way of this, no koalas have been injured and the amount of annoying red tape involved in the process would be driving the workers fucking nuts. Because the moment they see anything that even remotely resembles a fucking koala, they have to put a 30-metre exclusion zone around it. And they'd be going nuts because it would happen more often than not and they'd have to fucking go and do this and relocate them and spend a week on it. But that's the thing, man. Like, you know, I totally agree with saving the koalas. If you're going to rock up and you're going to fuck up their habitat, you have to at least, you know, make sure they're okay. Yeah, and it's, it's also the fact that these people were absolutely nowhere when, you know, state forests of New South Wales were, were clear-felling koala habitat for, for wood chip and yep. not finding any koalas in their pre-logging surveys where everyone else could. Well, you see, the thing uh, is, is that this just they haven't been told to by the fossil fuel industry. So, you no. know. Yeah, they they have to wait until a a talking head like fucking a Tucker Carlson type gives them the go ahead to go and you know find a cause. Exactly. So so yeah, you rarely have people who were nowhere to be seen giving a two fucks for the environment. I guess ever. Yeah, yeah. As as the leaders of this, and then and then you you do have a a number of old you know just a handful of, in, of former people you formerly knew as being in the environment movement. It was interesting when I started digging into the various freedom groups around the Hunter Valley. I mean, I, I 
I guess with a population of half a million, it's still just small enough for everyone to know everyone in some way. Yeah. And you, you just see these names coming up that, you know, often just went, ooh, that's interesting. And, you know. Bruce you, Shillingsworth was legit. Absolutely. He was totally I, legit. I, you know, it was a war activist. I used to sit in on Murray-Darling Basin Plan meetings with Bruce and he yep. was impressive, spoke very well. And still to this day, I've, I've seen him pushing back at, at a bit of the more stupid climate change denial rhetoric he's, he's been engaged with on his page. Well, I, yeah, I, I'll give, I, I think that's like, I'm, I'm not surprised to see that. But one thing that I can say is that when we were at that, that rally, the, the recent one, and he was there, and when Bosey claimed that as a disciplinary measure, Indigenous sort of groups, nations, whatever, would, would cut open a, a young man's penis and it would explode like a hot dog in a microwave. And just seeing him hear that and immediately storm forward to the front part where they were getting the Q&A, receiving the questions... He was ignored and passed over. He didn't ask a question, but then he went to the stage and insisted that he go up to speak on the stage. And I thought, oh, fuck, this is going to be a smackdown. This is going to come out and be like, what is this hot dog shit you're talking about, you fucking liar? No, he just came out there and said, oh, it's lovely to see you all. It's lovely to see you all out here. It's great. You fucking sell out. It was amazing nothing happened from the the absolute steam you could see coming out of his ears when Bosey first said that. I could not believe that he got a chance to go up and correct the record and he chickened out the last second. Yeah, it was Because he wants the clout. He wants to keep his clout. He knows, if he's smart enough, he knows, that if he goes up there and tells them all they're fucking assholes and they've got it wrong, instead of them saying, oh, I'm really sorry, we respect your culture and that was a mistake, they're going to go, oh, Bruce has gone wrong. Yeah, yeah, well. You know, they're, they're not going to listen to him. And Bosey would have just started talking about pygmies or something. Oh, fuck yeah, me. He just would have just... Or, of course, he would have just said, well, you don't know what you're talking about. I do because X, Y, Z and, uh, you know, I know this because uh, I've experienced it. And everyone's going to take Bosey's side because he's a charismatic cult leader. You know, what would <laughs> Bruce know? He's just, you know, lived and breathed this his entire life. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's quite, quite insane where he's gone from being a, a respected water activist to uh, just this endless stuff that he's carrying with him now. Yeah, it's just cooking nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a little bit sad. So one thing I guess you probably know about back in the day was the moment where it almost felt like time and space stood still and exploded when fucking Alan Jones became a fucking greenie and Lockheed Gate <laughs> and the Coliseum Gas Movement got Alan Jones on side. So look... It's not the first time that the sort of far right elements have decided, hold on a second, maybe the environment, you know, maybe the greenies have a point, but someone like that, who's just been bashing greenies for his entire career, I mean, maybe he had a, had some skin in the game and maybe it turns out there was a coal seam gas thing going up near his property. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's not new that far right elements will join the environmentalist group movement, but it's always going to be something that people do a double take on. So it's like, what did you find with the the coal seam gas? What did that? What did we learn from that, or what did we not learn from that? Well, well, just just mentioning prior to SG and and coal mining, we managed to get Alan Jones on board on this. There was a ridiculous proposal to build a silicon factory in Lithgow 
and fuel it with millions of tonnes of timber from New South Wales' public forests. So oh, okay. it was wow. just a mega logging proposal. This is going that right back bad. to 2002. It was stupid. And um, yeah. so there was going to be a silicon factory in... Is it sil- uh, a silica? Uh, oh, you're getting me there. Is it the building material or is it the tra- like for the technology? It's for the technology. Wow. So, so okay, that's really interesting. That, this is going back 21 years, so my memory's a bit stretched. But And they, they were going to complement that with the charcoal factory to, to make the charcoal oh, in Mogo on New South Wales' south coast. So some local down there was owed a favour by Alan Jones. God knows what it was. But okay. we were all instructed to, you know, turn up, you know, having a symbolic blockade of the Princess Highway at five in the morning, which, you know, no one was driving along it anyway. Alan Jones yeah. landed in a helicopter and gave a speech, took off. It was all over in five minutes and huh. nothing shifts. Turned up in a helicopter. Nothing shifts <laughs> a New South Wales Premier's opinion as quickly as Alan Jones. So, yeah, and, and then going into, you know, I, I was working for Lock the Gate in The Hunter and okay. he, he certainly was on board certainly on the mine proposed around his land down in the Southern Highlands. But also, also he did have skin in the game. Of course he did. Yeah, but then also on, you know, mines that threaten, you know, traditional farm, you know, Lock the Gate isn't necessarily an environment organisation. It works with farmers. Yeah, um, okay, yeah. I mean, it might be full of environmentalists working with farmers. yeah. But yeah, but that that's how that ran. So so Alan Jones was was you know a big supporter of and and you know it's a it's a brutal game. You you get him on, you win. That's yeah, and you've got to swallow your pride a little bit there. Oh, it it, it does feel very weird. But yeah, he he says the spiel. You know, almost he was God. I watched him today. He spoke at the anti wind farm rally. I, I think it's getting a bit past him. He they were trying to wind him up. Oh, um, shit. Put the orchestra on. <laughs> it was gibberish. <laughs> was... That's very funny. And also, like, you know, I guess the standard of speaker and content was probably pretty fucking low. So the fact that he was a standout bad speaker when there were probably people there just absolutely talking nonsense is pretty impressive. Yeah, it was good. I only watched half of it. There was Ruddock and Barnaby lurking behind. and Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the... The One Nation crew, it, it really, I, I don't think it's done them any favours in terms of pretending to be a local grassroots movement. There's already, you know, been clear cases of misinformation as as this movement built up. You know, the, the one where they pretended that just, I think it's Marine Policy Journal had said 400 whales. Yes. Unfortunately, the editor of the journal happened to live in Wollongong, so yep. saw it and said we never published that. So, you know, and there's, there's cookers in these pages just brushing off, uh, you know, a huge ethical no-no as just, you know, part of the game. And, yeah, so you, interestingly, a lot of the the graphics and material that have been associated with this new build-up in 
in anti-wind and anti-renewables rhetoric have been traced back to Advance Australia. You know, so we're we're right in there with the the characters who misinformed the the referendum, and it, it's just got that stench of you know all the think tanks and you know possibly minerals councils yeah. being behind it. Wouldn't and, surprise and you course, for a second. Dutton's all too happy to run with with that. With he suddenly cares know, about whales. Yeah. And, yeah, he, he could barely keep a straight face while saying it, which is saying something. Yeah, um, well. It's it's quite interesting. You know, you can hardly see it gaining traction with the, the ALP. And, you know, even getting to a position with with unions and and the steelworks and, and you know, these, these wind farms are, are slated for areas like the Hunter and Illawarra because... As the the energy market diversifies, these are the places with the existing uh, transmission facilities and industrial bases. And as you know, coal eventually dies out. Obviously, not as quickly as some of us would like. And, and you know, maybe maybe it'll always have a role to play. But but the planet's heating rapidly. Yeah, the, these places have been slated for alternative energy projects, you know, to to help transition a, a workforce and uh, keep the area viable as a community. Was the and, thing like you know, people wanted the jobs, like you know, it's saying like you know, climate change yeah. is going to kill these jobs, the miners are going to lose all these jobs, and then they're like, okay, cool, don't worry, we got you. We're going to build a wind farm, and all the, the all these guys they're going to do very similar work. It's going to be really easy to transition them onto this, and they're like, no. We don't want it. And it's like, pick a lane, guys. I'm tired. Pick a lane. Like, you know, you can't have both. Yeah, well, even even going back to, you know, how did the Hunter Valley become a bit of a, a cooker haven goes right goes back to the twenty nineteen election, which you know, for a while they all expected shortened to win. Yes. But you you had this big anti-ALP rebellion here, which came about with Joel Fitzgibbon leaving the party. Yeah, or, and their jobs. Or, yeah, and, and a 21% One Nation vote in the seat of Hunter. And uh, that went to a, a guy by the name of Stuart Bonds, who yeah, somewhere, that's right, yeah. somewhere in between becoming One Nation's golden boy in 2019 had a falling out actually in one of the pubs here with Mark Latham over the casualisation of the, the workplace, which was, you know, for a while uh, in the mining boom, it was everything was great for, you know, jobs. You, you got your mining job, you got your big five-bedroom mansion, you had your boat, you had your SUVs. Yeah. And then the casualisation started and Stuart Bond stood up against that and Latham didn't yeah, really okay. give a shit. So. I mean, you you watch Stuart posting. He's cooked as hell. He'll still back One Nation, but it, it what he what that might have been had he remained solid going into the twenty two election. I mean, we still got a we still had a twenty one percent far right vote here, but it was split to all hell. Well, this um, is like what for- Jack's been saying recently, which is a good reminder that One Nation preferences don't necessarily go far right. Often That's it'll right. be. 
a one nation primary vote and then a Labour preference. And this is the thing, like, you know, a lot of these one nation people are just kind of racist working class folks. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm in the thick of it here. And, you know, there's, there's, there's some beauties to the community as well as the, yeah, the, yeah, of the course, atrocities, of you know, but it, it was interesting. The, the whole one nation thing is that certainly in New South Wales, and it's, it's probably different a little bit in other states, but, but at all, you know, the nuances are that they're, they're never far away from what cookers are doing. And certainly in the referendum, um, I came across one case here where an LNP candidate in the Hunter had approached One Nation to ask them to engage with my place specifically, but cookers in general, to recruit for the No campaign. And I also saw similar up around the, the Coffs Coast and heading south towards Kempsey. So, you know, that's hardly the, the smoking gun to say that's a, a statewide sort of pattern. But circumstantially, you know, it was quite funny. The, the Liberal candidate approached the One Nation guy. He he organised a meeting in a park uh, down at Lake Macquarie. So all these cookers went down to meet the Liberal candidate who was organising the, the, the No campaign for the libs locally and they managed to meet him in the park at exactly the same time they were having a smart living fair run by the local council so, so, so the park was full of tech heads and, and smart yeah, city okay. people and so they, they had an absolute oh, panic God. and had to, to relocate it's absolutely that is beautiful. so dumb that is ridiculous <laughs> god but yeah, so it's it's interesting. Like like I was saying, the the more time that passes between the pandemic and now, I I just think you'll have the far right falling back to its usual tricks, which you know, immigration and yeah, immigration. To, yeah, but you know, using them to sort of explain off rising rents and stuff like that. Yeah, and and that that weird crossover into into the environment movement has certainly reached a peak down on the central coast, which was something I came about through, started with my place, actually. And, you know, throughout, certainly throughout the the Delta lockdown, the the freedom movement in Newcastle had been pretty quiet, but but underneath it all, it was was building, you know, quite quite strongly. There'd been a few rallies and then, then, you know, things based around the Cali Hotel in Singleton, which we all know and love. Yeah, yeah bless. Um, Really, there hadn't been that, that big thing. But then, you know, the beginning of this year, there was a big rally, you know, the first one for ages, and it was, God, it was against NBN Television for, it was just called The Media is the Virus, which yep. they picked up they picked up from England, actually, and cookers over there, and and they all went to NBN on a Saturday, and it just was. It was one of the, you know, it was the first thing I went to this year, and it, it was everyone wear white, so it had a bit of a night and white vibe, and then yeah, just okay, to, interesting. I didn't know why they were there. It was, you know, fuck the media, we're at war, but it was also at the time. My place had kicked off in Melbourne, and you know the the number of my place branches was exponentially expanding, and and 
outside of Victoria and you just knew that this lot were going to be the the spine of my place in the not too distant future and you know my place launched I think it was only two or three weeks later and funnily enough the you know the Hunter's a big place that so my place were covering I think five council areas for for you know disruption and smart city stuff and Rainbow story time attacks and and then you know the yep. the bloody food and well being and oh god you know whatever the compulsory committees are and uh, yeah so so at the my place launch there was you know they covered Maitland Newcastle Lake Macquarie Dungog and sort of asked people to split into the groups depending on where where they were from and and there was no Cessnock and I was sort of going what what's happening with Cessnock and it was. Cessnock's a Cessnock special. Um, yeah, okay. You know, you don't of, you don't often hear people call Cessnock special at the best of times. But <laughs> well, maybe um, in a sort of sarcastic tone. Yeah. But, but yeah, and uh, I had no idea what they meant by that for a while. But it did occur to me to see what was going on here, and I started checking out. You know, really having a look at who was on our council, which. I had been pretty naive to actually. It's it's just you know Cessnock's just an out and out working class coalfield labour town. It, it always has been. But yeah, there were I checked out, started checking out the independents, and holy crap, there were three cookers, and one and her brother were actively in my place. So that and they they were disrupting on smart cities and encouraging you know sometimes up to a hundred people to burst into council and, and all the stuff you saw Soz and Sandy covering in Melbourne, really. So, yeah, Cessnock was touched upon in that 7.30 report, mainly due yes. to the behaviour of that councillor. But it also turned out she had a bit of a mentor down on the Central Coast to Kate Mason, who, funnily enough, I saw lurking behind the scenes at... The, the rally in Sydney today at the Anti-Wind Rally. Okay. Did you go there or did you watch? I watched, you know, good on your Chris Coveries. You're just a oh, trooper, aren't you? Pests. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He makes his skin um, crawl and I feel bad for him because that's an affliction, a very sort of incel-like affliction where, you know, some people <laughs> are just sort of inherently repulsive like that. And I, I feel really sorry for that thing because it's very difficult to get through life when people just sort of, interact with you and just sort of go, oh, I, I'm unsettled around. Oh, you, you make me feel unsettled. You're not, you're not comfortable to be around. And that sucks because, like, you know, I think deep underneath there is a good person in there, but I think he's just been co-opted by clowns, appeasers, and love bombers. And I think he's probably – I don't know any of this uh, for any sort of fact at all, so it's pure speculation. But I imagine he probably had a bit of a shit time during school. So I do feel bad shitting on him, but at the same time, you know, like uh, generally speaking, he just gives me a very creepy vibe. And I imagine that's probably something that's sort of haunted him through his life. It's very unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was out there today and asking people about the weather, which is one of his sort of favorite little things to do. (laughs) Very cute. Very strange. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Ironically, the weather are the thing that's trying to change the weather by pissing fossil fuels into the atmosphere. But yeah, we won't go into that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, it's uh, but yeah. So Kate Mason, who seemed to be feeding our local councillor here all her her lines and and smart cities 
conspiracy material. She came up here to give a talk, which was at one of the local bowling clubs on a Sunday, attended by a couple of hundred people. There was the Worldwide Rally for Freedom in Newcastle, which they also managed to come inside with a rainbow story time. So we had a bit of a, a protective crew out the front of the library and then I rushed down to the Central Coast to see Kate Mason do exactly the same talk again with Jess. Interesting. Jer- the Cessnock Councillor down oh, there. Oh, she's a cook. Uh, she's okay. Yeah, she's a cook, a councillor. Yeah. She is. And uh, so they were doing a Smart Cities presentation but also made sure that the crowd were left in no doubt that if you voted yes to the voice you were uttering in, you were ushering in smart city uh, doom for all of us. Um, yeah, that's just incredibly it, stupid. I'm sure they had a reason, but it's like obviously made up, but I'm sure it was just equally silly. The, the PowerPoint just had no segue whatsoever. It leapt from one page to the other and you kind of go, huh? Yeah, but yeah, yeah I bet. But with a bunch of cooked units in Kincumber all nodding away. Yep. Um, and so I started to get quite interested in Kate's group, Community Voice Australia, which is one of those groups you put Australia in the name in case you ever take over the country and become national. And it's yeah. really just Community Voice Central Coast. But she, she does have a following. And she tends to run these monthly events down at Kincumber Neighbourhood Centre. Interestingly, that was the venue that cancelled BOCES election rally there and said they weren't aware of the nature of what was going to be spoken about. But they're very happy to host Kate every month. And and Kate's as nasty as they come. It's anti-trans. It's, it's, and BOCES often shares the posts, actually. Interesting. Um, and, and she was a candidate for IMOP before the Community Voice thing and she claims to have come from a sort of welfare, social welfare background. Um, yeah, okay. But once again, I, I, even if it's just a bullshit claim, a left-leaning kind of thing, and now probably rails against communism. It's like, mate, social welfare is quite often about the state facilitating assistance to those who are vulnerable, which is kind of what Marx was talking about at times. Like, And now you're just, what, pilled? Yeah, I mean, you, you run for... I mean, I... I only really looked at IMOP through Michael O'Neill and, and not really the, the sort of lackeys he had running in other seats and areas. But Yeah. So so missed some of Kate's work. But I have looked back through her, her videos and, and you, you see it. She out and out states that her two biggest inspirations, you know, personally were coming from the climate denial thing. And she she claims to be an environmentalist, but sort of delights in bringing somebody on, and they discuss how the old school environmentalism is dead. Now her ten or so events over the year at Kincumber have included uh, "Vote No to the Voice," "Are Renewables Really Green?" "Save yep. the Bees from from the you know." dastardly cull from the Varroa mite. And then most recently she she had a Save the Forest meeting which combined with a more local uh, case in Carrion with a, a development, a housing development proposed by the local Aboriginal Land Council. Um, now, I won't go into too much of the 
development side of it because I think it really should be addressed by a First Nations person, you know, around issues, people basically claiming to be a non-existent Aboriginal tribe. Yeah, um, okay, that's interesting. And Soz and Sandy are all over that and you should expect an excellent podcast next year, I reckon. So but on so I, I bumped into this not from the First Nations perspective, but from what was happening with the environment movement where in terms of the you know, Sydney Greater Sydney now has what's called a six cities strategy from Illawarra to the yep. the three main yeah, and up to Newcastle and it's all been woven into the smart city conspiracy thing by by our friends and the six cities commissioner is robin parker who was the former lnp minister for the environment back in the barry o'farrell era and she may there was a bit of a, a confrontation at i think it was at woi woi down the gosford end of the central coast where she did a community presentation and some of bosey's a1 troop caused a a pretty big ruckus inside the venue. And then she she made a statement saying, you know, she was seeking to form a, a community advisory body made up of, of community members to advise on the environment locally. And Kate saw the opportunity and immediately formed an organisation called the Central Coast Community Advisory in, in Central Coast Environmental Advisory Committee. Okay. And it was a coalition made up of, I think there was the Narara Eco Village Coast Environmental Alliance um, yep. and a handful and the ha- handful of other groups and individuals, but essentially all far right. And they launched, you know, they put out a press release and lo and behold, straight on the ABC to launch and a meeting with Robin Parker. So they haven't announced anything since, but God knows whether Robin Parker was sufficiently impressed with them to, to think they they speak for the community, let alone the environment. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was one of those cases where Kate just jumped straight into the mainstream, and it's hard to tell whether there's been any, you know, whether what. Whether the ABCs picked up on who they they just gave airtime to, um, they love fucking that up. But um, you know, some at this her save the forests thing, and it is quite easy for someone doing what Kate's doing, and, and in fact, cooker groups to say we want to save a park or save this bit of bushland because it it's no skin off their nose to look like they care about the local environment and ingratiate themselves with you know the local community rather than oppose the the big policy changes that are needed, you know, such as as a cleaner energy grid and, and things like that. So so it's yeah. very easy to to say we're we're the ones saving the whatever and well, you that's guys it. are I not. Mean, like, so. That's that's been always the thing of like, you know, flipping the the script on its head and trying to make out that the sort of cooker perspective is actually doing the opposite of what it's doing. Because of course, like you know, we say it's it's all based on misinformation, disinformation. But the idea that somehow 
supporting fossil fuels is the environmentalist position. Like when Milo Yiannopoulos was out, the whole thing was being conservative yeah. is the new punk rock. And I'm like, mate, being conservative is never going to be punk rock. You can say this as much as you fucking like. I'm never going to take you seriously when you say that being a fucking Nancy Reagan conservative is somehow subversive. I understand <laughs> your position and I know it's very smart, but it's also very stupid and I'm never going to respect it. This is a similar thing. It's like we're the ones saving the whales and all these greenies murdering whales for their fictitious you know, climate change narrative. It's annoyingly clever, but it's also incredibly stupid. Yeah, well, she succeeded in... You know, I'd like to think fooling a couple of genuine environmental advocates to come and speak at her Save the Forests forum. It didn't, it did not go unnoticed. Ooh, that sounds stern. And, and, well, generally, you know, the environment movement as a whole has been subject to some legitimate attempts to bring it unstuck. So it's very good at, Smelling yeah, okay. rats, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to be. Yeah, coming from Cessnock, I suppose I'm allowed to be prejudiced towards the Central Coast. It, it, <laughs> it, had, it had to happen on the Central Coast, where cookers you and environmentalists have have merged into a yeah. into this. It's, it's quite a mess. So you, you've actually got this organisation yeah. who who do need to be called out, which is Coast Environment. Alliance and and I came across them when I I I had a gig for several years, bit of a niche environmental gig really. While everyone was looking at the the climate aspects and the the impacts of open cut mining in the Hunter and and beyond, I yep. was sort of doing a niche little job looking at the underground impacts on Sydney's where they were mining under Sydney's water supply. The not Warragamba, but the smaller dams down on the Illawarra. Yep. And, you know, looking at amazing things like rivers draining away completely and methane bubbling to the surface where you could set a river on fire. Yeah, that's and there not was, good. There was a, a long wall underground mine proposed in the Central Coast's drinking water catchment as well at the time. And it was in, it was largely under a valley which was full of, very rich people and connected people, so it was a yeah, good campaign okay. to be be involved with. You you went yeah, down and that met helps. with them. They they knew what they were talking about. They had connections. Yep. They fed you well. It was yeah. all <laughs> all pretty pretty schmick operation. And then Coast Environmental Alliance formed, and and they asked me to give them a briefing about the mine, which I did. And it was, I quickly got the sense that they you know I started talking technology and figures and predictions and stuff like that and okay. they really were just looking for the hippie point of view and okay. I re- realized I was sort of wasting my time and and yeah it was a bit different and they wanted to be fun I suppose I suppose <laughs> yeah and it, it was it, it had that yeah sort of vague hippie sort of vibe about it and that's the group that has now gone on to be campaigning for this this area up up the top near the freeway near Gosford to be saved uh, and possibly you know in, in terms of the biodiversity on that site it's the land council who's the developer it's their land yeah 
I'm not I'm I'm not personally thrilled they want to clear some of it, but the tactics that this environment group have adopted to, you know, say it's a spiritual place and there's aliens there. Wow, okay. And as I said, I think I think it's better I I leave it to Soz and Sandy to cover that with with someone who's way more I think entitled to speak to it than Connected a white to person the situation. Like myself. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah. you've essentially got an environment group who's gone into bed with a appallingly racist bullshit cooked position and you know, I I have been involved in a couple of environmental campaigns where where a land council was the developer and you you got to you know, if you're gonna fight it, fight it on the basis of you know, environmental approvals and, and what the planning system allows don't make up reality. Shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, and so, you know, in that sense, you you got to back the the land council, which which does have a reputation on the coast of being a big property developer. But you know, yeah, it, that's that's what land councils are about to to give a bit of that equity back. So yeah. Yeah, it's they've taken a an embarrassing approach, and you know the the environment movement can't afford to allow them to continue like that. It's embarrassing. Yeah, it, losing legitimacy, especially after long fought battles, just because a bunch of fucking weird dreamers come in and just want to make it an interesting story for them to tell lunch or dinner the next day. Yeah, nah, you know it's that's sort of cheapens the whole thing. But this is the interesting thing about, and I think. People either make this decision without thinking about it or they do give it serious thought and wind up doing it anyway. But the cookers are a good renter crowd. If you can get them riled up about something, they'll turn up, they'll share things, they'll organize things, and they may even end up making their own organic little movements. But one thing about that, especially when you get further toward the Bosey fringe as opposed to the more just general sort of like, you know, fuckwitted sort of like slack-jawed fringe, is that they will take this and they will eventually make it their own and they'll keep turning up. But when they turn up to the rally, for example, the vote no rally we went to, they'll start chanting, let guru speak because they want guru (laughs) to speak. And what they want guru to say is something you do not want to be seen next to because it will be fucking mental. Yeah. yeah, It's it's funny. I I think Bosey has become too much, even for most cookers. In well, New South I mean, Wales, yeah, it's, that, that, it's crazy shit. I mean, unless you are happy just sitting there listening to it, and that's what makes you feel better. But in terms of achieving shit, it's it's fuck all, and people yeah. are calling him. Yeah, there's only so long you can go with this and be like, okay, so where are these white hats you keep talking about? Where are they? Like, what's going on? Yeah, it, it was funny. I, I did get along to that. One of the first events I went to up here was that famous night at the Cali Guru Bosi, the surprise guest, and and Liebold and Bergworth beamed in by the screen, and Sean Ambrose. It was a um, oh, wow. absolute feast of, and it was, the, it was the good chemtrails night and the pygmies, and it was pygmies. You know, fuck quite. Say. It was quite interesting just being in that crowd and it was funny because I, I had an inkling that friends from Wollumbi would would be there uh, it's only you know 50 k's away so yep. I stood up the back and then I did did see that a, a 
at least one friend was there from the vantage point I had, except because Bosie was the surprise guest. And, and let's face it, at that time, it was only going to, you know, be hoodie or Bose. God, you know, it was going to be a one of the one of the peak figures coming out of Epic. Yeah, and you know they they started giving hints and dropping clues, and it was clearly going to be Bosie. And so I, I was just yeah. leaning against the back fence of the beer garden, minding my own business, and suddenly the the gate next to me, the builder, and then they all turn the gate, and they, you know I'm just there next, and Bosie comes through. Wow, it. shit! And the first thing I see is my friends going, Dave. Oh <laughs> you no! Know, Have you gone down the rabbit hole too? And I went, No, no, I'm just here to watch. <laughs> Fucking hell! It's like when you go to a wedding and you accidentally stand next to the bit where the bride comes through. And everyone's fucking looking at you like, no, it's her. Don't look at me. Fuck. Shit. This is not ideal. Yeah. So, you know, I ended up just shuffling. You know, I went and we shouted at each other beers and, we, you know, we had a good chat. And I, you know, I felt, you know, I got a bit grilled about why I was there. But I, yeah, I said, look, okay. it was, it's been my job to know what is going along, going on on the New England Highway politically for ages so yeah i'm here i'm having a listen and yeah so yeah that was that was it was quite amazing but but the sense of the crowd just you knew the gig it was it was like waiting for the most popular song you knew it until there was a hint or a mention of a hanging they hadn't got what they came for yeah Um, yeah that's it they hadn't got their hit but if you want more than something more than that you know a bit of political clout well the sensible ones do go to One Nation because, you know, they're in Parliament, not as it was three, it's yeah. now one, thanks. <laughs> they're quite despondent well, about yeah. that. Yeah. I went went along to a – I'm quite interested in what the Cooker plan is for local government elections next year because um, certainly here in Cessnock they've – the three councillors have realised the smart cities and the the stuff they were going on about was really cooked and yeah you, you know there was a there was a bit of forest of the fall and happening around the park and it, it just was, yeah people were laughing at them and so yeah, they pivoted not to yeah. that and this this goes to I think Cameron Wilson in from Crikey recently. Yep penned a piece about the local government elections in WA and how cooked councillors had run a pretty tight campaign, you yeah. know, down around the, the southeast cooker belt. And looking like they're getting some actual local council success. Yeah, yeah, and, and deliberately avoiding the topics that that give them away. And, and so local cooked councillors here have now gone to an absolute insane campaign to prevent a road being widened to two four lanes rather than two and instead supporting a one nation proposal to build a city bypass so you've got you've got weird little events like they they encourage people to get out and measure the road and do cooker maths that with, sounds dangerous uh, <laughs> <laughs> They're okay so far. They had a had a rally the other day, and that that that's sort of what I'm interested in is where these local government elections are going to go, and yeah, okay. how coordinated that's going to be. So I did I did yeah. shuffle off to to check out a One Nation gathering 
a, a few weeks ago. And funnily enough, it was straight after the, the referendum. So they were actually, you know, I thought they'd be in party mode, but they were absolutely depressed about the other guy and only having Tanya left in Parliament and losing all their funding that comes with that. So, yeah. you know, there were people coming up with all these ideas and they're just going, sorry, we've got no money. And some guy was spending his own money to drive a trailer around. There was an interest in running for council in a couple of seats. But but what I'm noticing is that my place locally is working very much hand in hand with that. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, I, I think council elections are what people should be keeping an eye on because you're going to get all these independent candidates who no one knows anything about and, and might well sound sound completely normal. Yep. Um, and, and, in fact, that was happening last time. <laughs> there was one candidate, it wasn't Cessnock, I think it was closer to Newcastle, maybe, maybe Maitland. Anyway, yeah, he... He seemed quite normal, and I I'd sort I'd sort of was charting out a bit of a twenty year history of growth of far right voting in the region, and just just for my own satisfaction to see if I was worried about something genuinely or didn't have to. But yeah, there's there's a huge growth, and this guy he nearly got in, and he his you know there was a meet the candidate thing and I, I just looked for you know twitter posts and just to gauge whether they were far right or not or whatever i could get meet the candidates forums and he's he seemed totally normal except and i was about to give him a tick of not a cooker and then just checked a bit more social media and he must have spent he spent a drunk evening he had to be drunk but he anyone talking about getting vaccinated he just replied r.i.p <laughs> oh god Calm down. Uh, bloody everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fucking mental. So what I reckon we should look at as a as a closer is our experiences on the ground at the last two rallies in Sydney. First off was the Vote No rally, which was basically, it looked like it was staged by John Ruddick, but it was funded by actual money. And Craig Kelly was there, and I believe that he had a uh, sort of, you know, Uncle Clive envelope involved because it was a bit of a pay for play sort of thing, which is why, as we were saying before, when the crowd were chanting, let Guru speak, they did not let Guru speak. And that was quite a intense crowd. It was very A1 driven, lots of A1 signs, and it was very intimidating, <laughs> I found. It was the first time I'd really been to a cooker rally like that properly. It was pretty intense. You know, we'd been to a My Place thing before the My Place launch in Sydney and we did a bit of a sneaky reco on that and that was fine, but it was just a small group of cookers. William Bay spoke and just said shit and we eventually just sort of left and just went, this is dumb. But the, the no was rally was intense. pretty dumb and My Place Sydney just seems to have, what's happening? Nothing really. Um, yeah. But it's different yeah, vibe up here. Um, yeah. And, and they, they were it was very late to uh, to even kick off given, you know, my place was everywhere regionally in New South Wales before Sydney and, and just other groups yep. held the space, you know, stand in yeah. the park and Smoke and Joe and, and Bozy. Smoke and, and Joe, fuck me. The, God love him. Oh, God. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the, I, uh, yeah, the, well, Guru had been banned 
from speaking. Uh, Bosey was over in WA and he had also yeah. been banned from speaking. So, so this was clearly a decision that was made and I think they referred to it in the discussions with Cossack, John Raddock and, and Craig Kelly. And does that still mean Clive Palmer? God knows. Yeah. And... Yeah, it was it was seething, you know, and it began with the Shillingsworths and the the troop of kids who who had been brought down, yep. to to dance yep. and and giving it the cultural the sort of legitimacy, which is seriously unnecessary, because you know that these people are immediately going to turn on a dime the second the referendum's over and start calling Indigenous people lazy, dull bludgers or whatever you want to go with, you know it's coming. It's coming very, very soon. I wonder if uh, Jacinta Price will be surprised by the rhetoric that's about to come out of these fucking assholes' mouths. Anyway, it did feel very much yeah. like it was useful at the moment. It was maybe very sort of cringe for the for the optics on that. Just like, oh, they're um, using you guys. Yeah, and you, you, also had, you also had... Dee Borah there with with her. She was about to go on convoy to her court case in Lismore, and yeah, she and, and all those insane human trafficking nut jobs were yep. hanging with gurus lot with with their awful display of of madness. Yeah, they so they did have that thing that, that had just, like that sort of like big sign with a hodgepodge of like sort of pasted headlines and fake pictures and just nonsense. It was just trash. So they all were up for a fight and, you know, Beck was staunch steaming around ready yeah, to go and she fight was for Guru. and Carrying. But, yeah, my favourite was when it ended and, and Guru, you know, he was all standing around the back demanding to go on and there was... That was great. You know, there was some pretty he- hefty security... You know, a fair bit of the budget had gone into getting guys who were there to prevent Guru from getting onto the stage. Yeah. And they were all yeah. cooked, individually cooked units as well. And yeah. then Roland Crystal had taken that a position. That was very funny, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He spent the whole rally just standing near cops because he still wants to be one and fantasises. Oh, desperately. It, it, <laughs> so um, embarrassing. Yeah. And so, so when it all blew up and it turned into a screaming match. I, I sort of went round the back and jumped in there and, you know, captured a lot of it. But, yeah, my, my favourite memory was Roland just standing on the stairs sort of that watching was the melee. <laughs> the melee and, and then Guru stormed back to his sort of area near the the stall, grabbed Beck's loud hailer, I think, and... Yeah. Um, did his big howl and scream and... But you were the, close to that, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Because I was further I, back. I sort of, and the, and you could was, not hear a single word he was saying because they turned up the music so loud down on the under. stage. <laughs> yeah, they did. That's right. <laughs> and it just you could not hear a single word. You just saw this little guy screaming into this megaphone and people around just looking confused. It was great. It was very funny. Yeah, so so just I mean that that just was an epic schism in the the movement. I think they realised yeah, that they are being played. I think that was a moment because when they were yeah. talking with Craig Kelly afterwards, and we sort of stood around that, they were sort of like bringing up all these cooker things, and Craig had to sort of stand there and entertain their bullshit about election fraud and all that sort of stuff, but not he and couldn't tra- quite bring and the, himself the twenty eight. 
and he the 28. Had to, I think yeah, he couldn't Beck quite bring himself to go along with it, mm. and he couldn't quite and do it because Kelly's not quite there. He believes easy no. bullshit, but he can't do the 28, and he can't do election fraud properly. He blahs on about like voter ID and stuff like that because he knows it's an easy gimme that he can say with some degree of legitimacy <laughs> and not like a complete fuckwit. But that was where I think there was this thing, and like when. The, the guru melee was going on next to the stage with, you know, sort of Roland and the security guards sort of holding him back and Avi talking to Guru and just being like, I don't know why I'm talking to this guy. He's a fucking idiot. And when Avi thinks you're a fuckwit, you've really fucked it. But there was this one guy who had a go at this women for littering and I was like, good on you. But we talked about the sausages, the filthy sausages, the fatty, gross sausages they were serving out. And he just goes, oh, I feel a bit funny. I'm like, well, I mean, look, you know, they didn't let Guru speak. How do you know they're not poisoning the sausages? And he's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, no, they probably did, eh? I'm starting to feel a bit funny. I'm like, mate, that sausage could have something in it. You don't know. They, that's bought by the guys who bought bought and paid for this stage. Could be bloody vaccinated, mate. Who knows? And he's like, oh, fuck. And he just walked away. It was great. I mean, like these people, they're just, they're just so terrified and gullible. And I, I felt kind of bad in a way, but he really did start, like, you know, he started going, oh, fuck. Oh, what am I going to do? Like, you know, can't go to hospital, I suppose. Fuck, you know. Shit, I don't know what to do. I think I've eaten a poison sausage from the New World Order. Oh, fucking whatever. It was crazy. Yeah, and, it was a very silly event. Uh, I mean, and, of course, Dan Andrews resigned days later and there was Cossack pouring all the beer into Melbourne. Yeah, that's right, with the, the imported that, beer from the consulate. Was, yeah, which... That was very weird. You know, it would have cost more to send it to Melbourne in a car than it would have cost to buy. Yeah, well, he's clearly got a budget for it. Who, who was it who turned up with it? Was it? It wasn't Mark Mack. It was. I feel like it might funny. have been though. Was it? I yeah, think he was at least yeah, in, in the camera the... shot for when it was happening. But I, I, I feel like he was the one who was like, "Hey, free, free beer." And of course, everyone kind of knows that happened with Mark Mack and and the situation the Tim Falls yeah. girls exposed on Twitter. If you haven't seen that, it's worth checking out. And we're also we've covered it in the latest. Premium episode, we had a little bit of a look into that, and it's pretty pretty fucking dark stuff. Then we had the second rally, which was more just like the, oh, you won't let me speak. Well, I guess we'll have our own rally then, which obviously had a lot less money. No sausages. Very disappointing. The sausages were fucking awful. And and, and Guru did speak. And Guru not only did that, but he also played a soothing rendition of, uh, yeah, U2 one with 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 old VaxCon. Well, at least I think Mark Mack and Glenn, was it? Glenn was there. Was I don't think Mark was there. Wasn't, I someone was playing guitar. Um, I thought it was Mark playing guitar. Yeah. I was pretty dis- – I did want to, you know, talk about Cook a Bucket List. You want to see VaxCon in, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in all the, Well, maybe VaxCon's <laughs> going to have a bit of a – Bit of an issue soon, so you might have missed out. I saw Coolio the day before he died, so I can tick that off my list. See Coolio immediately before he dies of some sort of fentanyl overdose. But uh, yeah, so when it comes down to that one, the the sound system was so awful, just because they don't know what they're doing. The sound system itself was just a reasonable PA, but just because they don't know how to fiddle the knobs and they're so arrogant and stupid, that they don't actually bother to try and fix it. And like Guru sounds like shit at the best of times, but through a distorted speaker, it was just horrific. It was in one of the episodes we did immediately preceding it, but fuck me, that was That's torture right. on the ears. Yeah. Yeah, it's a funny thing going to cooker rallies. It's a very strange vibe, but the confidence of some of these people in being so confidently shit is is quite something to behold. Yeah, I mean, again, that where did that rally go? There was if, if I was, was a a one flex going there to get a sense of direction. I mean, Bosie just repeatedly tells you to do nothing and wait for yeah, the white that's hats. That's exactly it. 
that was pretty much what it was. Um, wait, wait, the white hats are happening, and don't worry, this is our plan, and it's great. We're not going to have sex with children because that's what Muslims do. We're not going to, you know, fucking let you marry cats and dogs because that's what the Germans and the Spaniards are doing. It was very strange. It was it was interesting, and, and it's so interesting in the fact that the stuff that he said about like the Germans and Spaniards marrying dogs and cats was that we really want immigration. <laughs> but we just don't want them to bring their ideals with them. And the crowd found that very difficult to reconcile. Because they're like, do we want immigration, though? Because I'm not completely sure we want immigration, to be honest. Bo's like, no, 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 we do. It's like, oh, I guess I should probably just trust the plan, right? Fucking amazing. He's trying to couch <laughs> racism in socially acceptable fucking communications. Get on board. But, yeah, no, he's he's probably punching above. There's, so, never, yeah, look- there's, there's never material, you know. There's, there's no copies of Greatness Awake this year to... Make him thirty bucks or whatever. It's, that being said, you could bring just, it and get it signed. You could. Oh, that guy was that guy was such a fanboy. It was amazing the the adulation as they queued to speak it's with Ricardo. Cult leaders, man. Um, cult leaders are cult leaders. I, I found that conversation he had with Charles McKenzie really interesting. The the unvaccinated yeah, blood the guy. Unvaccinated blood guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. We we talked about him you, in the previous episode as well. Yeah, and, and the the distance Bosey kept between them, it, it was sort of a weird, unnatural... Well, you don't want um, to catch anything, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking would not surprise me if that and was then, the mindset behind that. And then they all went to the pub, except Bosey and Guru. That's but, right, they um, didn't go to the pub. We went to the pub. Which happened to be the pub we just went in looking for Tui's new and yep. we, we suddenly realised there was something very different about... Every single other person in there. It was quite us. crowded too, uh, which and I it, didn't expect. But uh, yeah, which was funny because you know, as as is happening most weekends in the capitals now, there there was a big Palestine rally, Palestine rally yep. which is why Bosey's event was brought forward unlimited yep. to two hours. Which you know, and they they it was clear the the cops wanted the A one crew out before the Palestine one kicked off and the organisers of, of the Palestine rally were pretty keen to ensure that any cookers wandering around that rally were known as, as you know, they're the ones most likely to start spouting anti-Semitic garbage. So there was a bit of a watch being kept on A1ers who, who were hanging around for the, the pro-Palestine rally. and But for all the rhetoric they gave it, they just went to the pub and drank slowly and ate lunch and sort of hung in their groups. Was MGG was there. Yep, yep. Pitbull. Yep. Beck, yeah, Jesse. Craig Cole was very was funny. He was, eating, he was eating fish and chips, and he looked like he was like every time he put like a, a he stabbed the fish and chips with his fork, lift it up and <laughs> stare at it like he was going to punch it, and then shove it in his mouth. It was the most violent eating I've ever seen in my life. It was very funny. I found it very, very Pretty funny. Scary. He's a very strange guy. Bless his heart. I'm sure he thinks he's doing the right thing. Yeah. Well, look, it's, it's, it, I must say on the, on the ground activism when it comes to these sort of movements is weird. And as someone who is well-versed in activism, you can tell the difference between this because you've been to both. And I think I can speak on your behalf by saying that one is cooked and one is not, generally speaking. No. Well, I think most activists can be annoying. Yes, they um, can be, yes. <laughs> and that's sort of... But, you know, I've, I've always formed a view that most social change for the better hasn't taken place without some level of on-the-street 
grassroots stuff and it's, yep. it's a necessary thing. Totally. And, and like some um, of these activists, and- while they might be annoying, they turn up and I can't begrudge them because they turn up. I don't. So I yeah, try I gotta- to these days. <laughs> well, you know, you seem to be very good at turning up to cooker rallies, though. I must say, that's pretty impressive. Oh, it made a nice change in a, <laughs> in a bent sort of way. Yes, um, it's more entertaining, I suppose. It's the whole point. The whole thing's meant to be entertaining. Yeah, I mean, I, I still take uh, what emerged out of Epic and and COVID very seriously as far as a right-wing threat goes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's... I look at, you know, the national socialists and, and, you know, those horrible groups and you, you see a certain number of people there. But, but when you're sort of going to these suburban meetings on the edge of nowhere on a cold Wednesday night and there's 60 or 70 people there and yeah, realise it's probably happening in a lot of places you don't know about either, it, yep. it's definitely got, got something of a hold in terms of a, a perceived oppression or or people getting something that you know they they think is missing that other social networks or whatever don't provide them and it's full of crap and you know you you might have a beautiful looking zucchini on the table but you you're talking hate and th- yep. that really pisses me off and and it's very present at the moment yeah yeah i totally agree well it's going to be interesting to see how it does sort of boil over with a lot of very bored, angry, disaffected, <laughs> isolated socially and sort of like, you know, uh, mentally in a way, because I don't think these are people with the, if they do have mental health issues that they tend to feel like they should get them treated considering the sort of stigma of taking medication and, and dealing with um, traditional forms of assistance in this regard. It's just, it's a very, we thought, well, at least I, I won't, I won't we, I'll say me. I thought that a lot of people were going to go away and only the extremists were going to stick around. And to an extent, that mm. was right. Insofar as you look at A1 and you look at these people and they are extremists and they have stuck around and they've sort of got nothing else. But I didn't think of the fact that a lot of these people were going to get so excited by the idea of making a difference and being a sort of change maker that they were going to find any fucking excuse to continue being a so-called activist just to get their rocks off and feel like they're, you know, they're, they're relevant and interesting. That I didn't really think about. And I think that's what's happening. I think it's materializing where people who felt pointless now feel like they have a point. But the thing is, the point was that that pandemic, the point was freedom. It's very difficult to argue there is no freedom outside of the general delusions that come up about smart cities and fucking dystopian futures. And they just need to find something. So it's drag queens or it's wind farms or it's basically whatever the fucking advanced Australia and the fossil fuel industry are going to tell them to do. But they're a renter crowd yeah, with you, no fucking can, politics. They'll just do whatever you tell them to do. If you can get yourself into a position where you can control their their focus, it's it's quite handy. And As long as you're ready you for know, them they all, to do fucked up shit. They all went to Epic and... You know, like we said, it, it was a huge protest for Canberra. They they should just have claimed the numbers they got. Which and, is huge. Uh, I mean, challenged anybody to come up with similar. I can't think of one. yet. But, and, and everyone who went there, uh, you know, regard, regardless whether they got traumatised or stung by a, a nanobot bee or hit with an yeah, LRAD yeah. or direct <laughs> energy... It was funny. We were up. I didn't get to Epic. I, like everyone, I just sat there and watched with watched my jaw online. dropped online yeah. and, and all the, the mischief that ensued. But I was there about a month later and went up 
to Parliament lawn and it was windy sort of wet day and, you know, there, there was still, you know, good two, three hundred people hanging around and yep. um, that Wally character who mysteriously oh, disappeared was, was yeah. sort of sort of the leader and that Anne was there. around and and we, we sort of, we just got there and, and then, you know, we'd barely been there five the the people there darkened and got and, and genuinely traumatized and concerned and it was sort of like what's going on here and Wally had come up with a story that there was a direct energy weapon placed on a light pole that was about to be activated and we were Jeez. all about to get fried so How so then bizarre. we all had to flee just as it was yeah and and the misery of that. That group was was quite profound. So, so perhaps it sounds I've been like hit with a direct energy weapon. <laughs> well, maybe you have. I mean, look, let's face it; it's it's not a bad idea to to zap some of these fucking morons. But you know, when it when it comes down to that sort of thing, it shows that like the guy with the most fanciful story is the most interesting guy in the room, and he's going to captivate the attention and. People want to feel something, whether it's excitement or whether it's fear. They want to feel something. And when he made people feel something, he was the center of attention. So you just keep doing it because if you've got no relationship with the truth whatsoever, whatever you say gets you attention, gets you position, gets you clout, simply because they go, oh, what's that? Oh, Wally told us what that was last time. We'll go and ask him. And simply just that act makes you relevant, makes you important. And I'm guessing what happened basically is- Wally just probably told one too many lies and eventually someone said, mate, I know you're full of shit. And he just went, fuck, I've been exposed and bailed. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, there were all sorts of rumours around that. But yeah, but everyone who went to Epic certainly felt a huge sense of community and empowerment. Probably, you know, if you, I've been to big protests and they, they're great if if they've got momentum and and there's a sense something's shifting, which, I mean, deludedly they all had because they thought they were going to overthrow the government on any number of given days. And, you know, it was quite interesting watching Epic unfold and the, the moment that was always going to be the most interesting for me was who they send in and what they demand. And, and that, of course, turned into that insane photo of Cossack and Hoodie Larder and uh, yeah, Dindy in okay. there and Glenda and but quite interestingly, the apart from Hoodie and Lata, the crew that's that sort of organised the the freedom worldwide freedom rallies in Sydney, you know, sitting with Craig Kelly there and the fallout of Hoodie convincing them to drop the claims about the twenty eight and pedos to sound a bit more or bit a more, bit less yeah, cooked bit and a less bit ridiculous, more reasonable yeah. and. Yeah. Bosey having a tanty about that. And, you know, the, there are, you know, certainly in, in my local community, there were a couple of people who did go to Canberra who I've had the opportunity to talk to and they they genuinely were angry at the over-governance of what they saw as, I guess, and didn't like being locked down. Their business had suffered and they really just wanted to represent that. And were quite, it wasn't really important to them who, I said, but did you see the speeches and what was getting, you know, they want to kill this person, these people. Like if I'd organised, a, you know, if I was involved in 
organising an event and put speakers on stage who said that, I, I'd i never come back from it. Yeah. That's what you guys put on and you went to and, I mean, for God's sake, the, the leader of the convoy had a shot he pulled out of his, his car. Yeah. Can you imagine what would happen if the Greenies did Oh, my God, imagine. The laws would change. The laws would change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what dropped my – it was just what they were getting away with. And for weeks, you know, it still goes on. The, and they still complain. The they diff- tell how persecuted they are. They get away with so much. Yeah, compared with, you know, the what any other group would get away with, really. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely. because they're that insane that the cops don't, or is there a bit of sympathy? It's, I just don't you know. know. I think there's, there's, there was sympathy. Gauge. I think there was sympathy, but I think that sympathy sort of run out if you look at things like, you know, used to call uh, Monica Smith Teflon Mon because, you know, she just got away with everything. But then all of a sudden, Consumer Affairs just went, actually, no, you fundraise for illegitimate purposes and we're not happy about it. And it's like, hold on, are these actual consequences? Holy shit, this is actually happening. And Nicholas Reed went to jail for the apartment house fire. It felt like everyone just got, not only did they get bail, but then they just get no conviction recorded for fucking doing all sorts of crazy shit. But now the, it feels the like the hammer's dropping. It was it was the guy who assaulted the worker at the race course yeah. over from Epic yeah. and, and didn't just have to be extradited from New South Wales once to go to court, but twice, which yep. that's insane. And he'd made it very clear what his position No respect for the court whatsoever. The res- yeah, absolutely no responsibility for, for really hurting someone too. Yep. Fuck and all happens. I mean, Jack, it's funny talking with with Jack yesterday. You know, Jack was actually pointing out how how many crimes get committed and how many get prosecuted. Yeah, it's, you know, there, there yeah. are there are people who say, "Oh, you should arrest him. Report this. Report that." You just can't. They won't arrest him. Yeah, it's still <laughs> it's, worth doing. And, and, still you know, worth trying. But yeah, yeah. yeah this, it's tricky to get them to do it. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's funny having done pretty naughty things myself and. Gotten yeah. away with some and not others. You, yeah, you're kind of looking at it. It's tricky to know which one bit, it's going to be. But, but yeah, once you're into, you know, real violent stuff, it's not cool. No, not at all. Well, it'll be interesting to see where the cookers sort of wind up over the next little while because I think this really is that sort of turning point as to where they go, what they do, and how they do it. My place is going to be a scourge on fucking humanity, but my money is that. Darren Bergworth is going to fuck this up immensely before they get any real progress. Western Australia, as Cam Wilson has pointed out, is concerning with those local government elections. But uh, it'll be very interesting to see. And I I tell you what, we should probably get you back on at some point to uh, get an update on what happens in six months' time. What happens in six months' time with uh, with all this in the future? Because I'm sure there'll be some weird pivot, and I'm sure it'll just be some other really strange thing they just glom onto and just ruin because they're bored on a Saturday and they want something to give them purpose. Yeah, do you know you know what I reckon would be a really interesting topic to have going forward would be homeschooling. Yeah, and- the, the, yeah. Uh, John Oliver did that recently, and it's it's very interesting. But okay. um, yeah. yeah, one of my friends actually was doing homeschooling and I had a feeling that the reason why was because she's basically jumped on the sort of the, the cooker trad wife bandwagon. But that's a that's a whole other story. Well, we've got to go because we've got a two hour limit. So oh, we're going to get cut off All in right. a few minutes. 
So, well, thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you, listeners, for sticking in with this one. This was an excellent experience. If you want to see some of the stuff that Dave's been up to, his posts in the Condition Release Program ship posting group are fantastic. Is there anything you want to plug or promote or talk about? Oh, not really. Promotion yeah. was never my, my strong no. suit. No, I didn't think so. But uh, but at the same time, you do have some fantastic posts on the ship posting group. So if you want to see some great content from this man with some like legitimately good insights into what, into what's happening in that universe, which is a universe I don't keep as much of an eye on as I used to. I think you and the Tim Paul Tales girls really know that space very well, and and I applaud you for keeping an eye on it, especially in in the way that you do, which is through an activist lens to just sort of make sure that everything's okay. A watchful <laughs> eye, as such. Oh, thanks for coming to the show, mate. Yeah, they're they're very special. Have a good night. (laughs) All right, you take care, man. I'll see you later. See ya. I don't think I ever want to talk to any of those people.